The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Harbaugh era is on life support. Next on this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Tim Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue. Welcome to this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace, back after a week away traveling for work. Quick programming note, want to warn you, we're going to be away next week too, taking the kids to Disney on a much-deserved vacation, if I do say so myself. We'll try to do a podcast audio-only exclusive for our Patreon supporters. So be tuned in for that next week uh, in place of the show. But let's get to what we teased here right at the top. And I got to tell you, I I hate these emotional swings. Anybody that knows me on a personal level knows I I don't roll like that. I'm not like, you know, way high, way low. I'm a follow the data guy. But... Michigan football does this to me. And it's because I'm reacting to what you see. The opening week of the season, they play way above their heads, and yet, it turns out, 
hey, Minnesota sucks. I think we kind of know that now. But Michigan still played very well. Uh, efficient football, executed very well, showed a level of imagination on offense we're not used to seeing and really didn't even see a lot last year uh, with the transition to the Josh Gaddis offense. And then there's whatever we've seen the last couple of weeks, which can only be described, well, as bad, <laughs> to put a technical term on it. And so I, I know I'm going to get you know, lit up on blast in the comment section here for the wide swaths of emotion, the the Linda Blair-like head shake. But it's Michigan football, man. I mean, I'm only reacting to who they are and what we see. And what we see is a lot of bipolar. And unfortunately, we're on the bad end of that right now. I want to show just a few stats that really illustrate my point. This is from Bigger 10, which pointed out that Indiana dominated Michigan on the scoreboard despite being minus 1.7 yards per play. Anything above two, by the way, is considered domination in a game. So that is not something you typically see. Also speaks to how bad Michigan played to beat itself. I mean, you can lose a game when you're 1.7 ahead in yards per play. If it's close, maybe it lost the turnover battle and Michigan did. It was minus two in the game. But you lost by 17. You never led. And, and really, except for a few minutes in the first, first quarter, you were never really in the game. To get dominated when you're plus 1.7 yards per play, that's the key stat every handicapper looks at in determining a power rating. You should not be losing this by 17 points, especially with a team that maybe has a handful of guys you even sent a recruiting letter to. And you're losing by 17 points with that, with, that, with that YPP differential? I mean, that's just bad. I mean, that's just giving up a lot of first downs on terrible penalties, poor execution, dropped balls. Hey, Indiana played well. But they didn't play 17 points better than Michigan looking at that stat. I mean, Michigan did a lot to aid the Hoosiers' cause of finally getting off the schneid for the first time in this series since 1987. Now check out this number. I mean, this will take your breath away. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say to this. But Jim Harbaugh is 10-8 and in his last 18 games and six of those losses are by 17 points or more. What is that? Bad. That, that, wow. But wait, ShamWow, there's more. Here's the most troubling thing, and I think why this Harbaugh era will likely soon be at an end. Because the more the roster has been overtaken with Harbaugh recruits, the worse the team has actually gotten. And you see that in the stat I just showed you. 10-8 and eight in the last 18 games and 6 of those 10 losses by 17 points or more. And you're going to see it in the stat that I'm about to show you as well. Harbaugh was 20-4 and four at Michigan before the so-called JT was short game. That's an 833 win percentage. He's just 28 and 16 
since a 636 win percentage. So people say, hey, well, get rid of Harbaugh. Who are you going to get that's better? There's a, about 75 coaches off the top of my head. Actually, I could list that could go 636 at Michigan over 44 games. Quite a few, as a matter of fact. Quite a few. Uh, and and I got to tell you, on a personal note, isn't this adorable, by the way? My oldest daughter bought this for me at Bronner's Christmas Land. Shameless plug. Uh, for her, not for Frankenmuth. Although I like that place too. Um, on a personal note, I hate this. I love Jimmy. Uh, my first favorite Michigan football player as a kid. Wore number four every chance I could. Wore number four every time I'd make myself on one of the video games. My son went as Jim Harbaugh for Halloween twice. I I hate this. I, I mean, I just... There's so much childhood love and nostalgia that I've got built up here. I'm not enjoying this reckoning at all. I'm not. It, But as the great prophet Bill Belichick once said, it is what it is. And what it is right now is bad. And what it is right now, barring a miracle, I believe, is over. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2,061 odds plus 2,061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comment section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball, and baseball. We absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in Major League Baseball, and we gave out those picks each and every day. So if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast, go there now and you can support what we do here at Michigan Podcast, and then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there, the hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you. Join their ranks and make a little money on the side, maybe. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Back here with this week's 10-Minute War, our homage to the great 10-year war between Woody and Bo. Back when it was still a rivalry, now it's just a novelty with tradition. Our reasonable, one and only Ohio State fan, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. He's got a fantastic channel on YouTube that you want to check out. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Steve, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Better than one in two, slightly. Mark, I've got several things I'm going to ask you about and specific things I'm going to point to. But let me just start with a very general question. What the hell is going on here? 
I've defended Jim Harbaugh like I was a Michigan fan for the last five years. And um, I'm starting to run out of defenses for him. I think his track record leading into 2017 was very easy to defend at his previous stops and his early work at Michigan. I don't know if he is just flustered, frustrated, resigned to the point that he thinks I can't get past this juggernaut and therefore I'm lowering my standards and I'm just going to be satisfied at least going into this season with a good old nine and three and we gave it our best. But uh, man, it's sliding into uh, deeper waters than that. So I, I just really don't have an answer for it. I do want to see Joe Milton develop as a quarterback because that's been one of the main issues with the Jim Harbaugh reign at Michigan has obviously been the quarterback, the lack of either signing one or developing one. And Joe Milton has promise. Uh, I don't see a great quarterback there thus far, but it's only three starts and he's not the reason they're losing these games. Do you see some parallels between the Jim Harbaugh and Earl Bruce eras at Ohio state proud alum? Now, I mean, Earl was a good player at Ohio state. Jim Harbaugh is one of the greatest players in the history of Michigan's entire program. I mean, he's still probably the greatest quarterback the school has ever had. Okay. Uh, Third for the Heisman Trophy, first first round draft pick at quarterback in the history of the Michigan program. But, you know, Earl came back home, took over a proud program. Now, it it had slipped a little at the end of Woody's era. But it was still a consistent national top 20 program. Michigan was not that when Jim Harbaugh took over. But he went undefeated that very first year, narrowly lost the national championship to USC in the Rose Bowl. And then there was, you know, the 9-3 and three Earl, right? You had the, the one year there where Keith Byers actually stayed healthy and Mike Tomzak and they won the Big Ten and went to the Rose Bowl uh, in 84. But a lot of it was 9-3. and three. Now, he was beating he was beating Michigan every now and then. He actually had a winning record against Bo. That's why when when y'all fired him, Bo had just become the AD at Michigan and joked that he was going to retire and hire Earl Bruce to coach at Michigan because he had a better record against uh, Bo than Bo had against him. But um, the idea that you could just go 9-3 and three into perpetuity. And then there was that 87 season. That was a consensus top five team. Chris Spielman, Chris Carter are back. Chris Carter gets busted with the agent, doesn't play. You have a series of boondoggle losses that year. One of them to Indiana. One of them to Iowa on a fourth and 29 or something, as I recall. And then, you know, the favorite son gets fired. And it it seems as if Michigan had kind of settled into that old nine and three Earl rut here with Harbaugh. But I don't think in this day and age you can go like nine and three every year. You because at the rate you need to recruit to stay in that realm, you're either getting busy living or getting busy dying. Meaning you're either on the way up or on the way down. You can't just like be pretty good because you can't sustain the recruiting of pretty good. The next team is is nipping at your heels to take those guys away, right? You reach the point of diminishing returns. Do you see some parallels there though at all? Oh, Steve, you're in my wheelhouse. Oh, man, I could talk Earl Bruce and Ohio State football from 1979 to 87 for five hours. I know we got a 10-minute war, though, so we'll recap. (laughs) Woody. Woody was only a couple years removed from having arguably the best program in college football. Yeah, then came the punch, and that was only one year removed from a Sugar Bowl appearance's second-to-last season against Alabama. Uh, They got uh, 
steamrolled, but they finished in the top 10. So, yeah, Earl Bruce, actually, his first season, they win their first 11 games. They were unranked to start the season, uh, won their first 11 games, beat Michigan on a Todd Bell blocked punt, 18-15, scored their first touchdown against Michigan in three games. And uh, so his his honeymoon was celebrated. 11-1, they played a NFL team uh, in USC, Anthony Munoz, Ronnie Lott, and on down the line, we could go on forever with that USC team. Lost by one point, would have won the national championship year one. Preseason number one in 1980, they uh, lose to Michigan. They can only kick a field goal against Michigan. They go nine and three. So that started the string of nine and threes. But it's a different Big Ten. There's no Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, circa mm-hmm. 2020 Ohio State juggernaut. The, the parity in the Big Ten the Iowas and Illinois that would jump up and win the conference was uh, after the Bo Woody run uh, was was consistent year to year. You didn't know who was going to win the Big Ten. And so nine and three was good enough to win the conference or play for a conference championship against Michigan. 1980, they barely lost it. 81, they tied for the Big Ten title. 82, we could go on about odd tiebreakers, but they finished uh, arguably with the best record in the Big Ten. Uh, 84, you mentioned the Byers, Tomzak year. They outright won the Big Ten, but still finished 9-3 and three overall. And it was good enough to tie for the Big Ten again in 1986. That no longer exists. 9-3 and three is not going to win the Big Ten. It's not going to get to you to the conference championship game. So the barometer is, unfortunately for Jim Harbaugh, just much, much steeper. I think that there's a disconnect, and you will speak to this much better than I, between the Michigan fan base and the expectations of the administration in their bar. And I think that's where the disconnect is. Uh, Michigan fans won a national championship. Um, Let's understand Bo never won one. He was consistently in the top 10, 10 consecutive seasons. I just refreshed my memory, 16 of 21 years. And, of course, it was just a... The, the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl was everything to Ohio State and Michigan then, but now it's all about the college football playoff. Uh, I was, again, refreshing my, my memory of Lloyd Carr's run, trying to compare it against Jim Harbaugh. It used to be more favorable toward Harbaugh, but is it the, the mouse? The, <laughs> that would be the losses are mounting for Jim Harbaugh. Now uh, Lloyd Carr has certainly had a better run than Harbaugh. Um, I think it is nine and three Earl Bruce all over again. You mentioned the disconnect between the administration and the fans. That disconnect doesn't exist after the last two weeks. Like if, if, if you want to go nine and three last year and you get Molly whopped by Ohio state again, or 10 and two the year before, and you get embarrassed and your pants pulled down by Ohio state and urban Myers last game, that is where you see that disconnect. But when you come out and lose to a Michigan State team that had no offseason with a questionable coaching hire and you're a 25-point favorite to open the week and then you get and you get absolutely you show no fire, no passion at all. And after that embarrassment and lose to Indiana for the first time in 33 years, that disconnect is gone, meaning you've got deeper issues and deeper problems now. There, there's there's a few numbers I mentioned at the top of the show, Mark. I want to throw these at you one by one and get your uh, your perspective on this, because I know you like point spreads, handicapping like I do. Well, then you know one of the key stats that handicappers look at is yards per play, particularly your differential of yards per play from your opponent, right? Anything over two is considered a dominant performance, all right? 
against Indiana, look at this stat, against Indiana, Michigan had a 1.7 YPP advantage. And yet they were never in the game. The game was tied for a little bit in the first quarter. They trailed the rest of the game. They lost by 17 points. Yeah, they lost the turnover margin minus two, but that second interception was a desperation throw on the last drive. It wasn't like they were out there turning the ball over. They just played undisciplined. Penalties, blown assignments. I mean, you have to really play poorly as a team to get dominated with that yards per play average, Mark. I'm going to tie together that stat with a comment that you just made a second ago concerning Jim Harbaugh's fire, his fight, or maybe his lack thereof, because that's one of his calling cards. Uh, I saw a, a sequence in which Pay, I believe it was Pay. I don't want to uh, hit the wrong player, but I think they all jumped off sides at some point. I mm-hmm. watched every play of that Yeah, pick game. a guy. Pick a name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A veteran defensive front. We're not talking about this is their third game. They're all freshmen. Veteran defensive linemen that are going to be playing on Sundays, jumping off sides consistently, especially those edge rusher guys that can look right at the football. So one of those sequences, Quinny Pay walks to the sideline, and, and I see a hug from Jim Harbaugh, something that resembled a hug, a little pat on the rear and a hug from Jim Harbaugh, which I understand, and I am rarely the guy that gets into the hearts and minds and tries to conjecture on what that, the interpretation of that scowl or that, that smile or smirk was, but that just didn't appear to be the player, the time, the place, the old Jim Harbaugh to do that to a veteran. It, it just seems like he is resigned to a certain extent. One of the great misnomers about our program, uh, and maybe that's because that was his persona everywhere else, is that this is going on because Harbaugh is too difficult to get along with drives people away, uh, too awkward, doesn't connect with his players. The opposite is true. This is club freaking med, man. I mean, it just, I mean, he's got, he plays, you know, he's got, that's why people were shocked that Joe Milton beat Dylan McCaffrey out because Harbaugh is tight with the McCaffreys. And that, that, it must have been just so obvious that Milton was better. Um, it, it's not the meritocracy. It He's not the mercenary, relentless, drive you out. And I think that's why we st- struggle with discipline. His guys are like, hey, I saw Quiddy Pay jump off of sides. Okay, well, maybe, what the hell? You know, I mean, that's... That's the great misnomer of our program is he's not rubbing these guys raw, riding their ass all the time, and they've turned against him. The opposite is actually true. And it's it's amazing to watch. It's it's just like it's like ever since that game in 2016 in your neck of the woods, we've just had a different coach. But I'll get to a stat that points that out here in a minute. Let me show you this one instead first. This blew my took my breath away uh when I saw it, Mark. Harbaugh is 10 and 8 in his last 18 games. And Mark, six of those losses are by 17 points, Mark, or more. That I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just, I mean, I just, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that, Mark. So you say something. The first number's alarming, but let's understand when we span games and grab them, typically it's from the end of one season in which you play Ohio State in a bowl game, and then it's the beginning of this awful one-and-two stretch. So I, I'm not that shocked by the 10-and-8, but 
I am responding to the 17 point yeah. loss similar to you. Yeah. That you shouldn't be losing to if you're at Michigan, uh, even if you're not getting over the hump, you cannot be getting blown out by three scores consistently against the better teams. And I gotta think if that's happened six times in eight losses, we are at a few times not even talking about better teams. Obviously, we're throwing Indiana. Once this season plays out, I think Indiana is going to show they're a much improved team. Give credit to Tom Allen. They're not a great team by any stretch. I agree. I mean, we, we saw Michigan State just last week. There's a reason Michigan was favored by 25 points by the odds makers, and you saw them lose by 42 points to an 0-2 Iowa team the very next week. All right. Now there's this number. Check this out. Or, or this, this data point, I should say. That and this is why I think this era is coming to an end, most likely. The more the roster has been overtaken with his recruits, the worse the program has gotten. And now let me show you this number to back that up. Harbaugh was 20 and four at Michigan before the JT was short game. That's an 833 win percentage. That's even better than Bo. And Bo Schembechler had the best winning percentage in the Big Ten post World War II until Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer came along, okay? And so Harbaugh is sitting there at 20 and 4. That's almost approaching Jim Trestle. That is a Jim Trestle number, almost approaching Urban Meyer. But since that quote-unquote JT was short game, Mark, he's only 28 and 16 with a 636 win percentage. You know, we're, we're told all the time we can't get anybody better than that. Mark, I got to believe right now there's about 75 coaches who in 44 games could go 636 at Michigan, okay? I, I Let alone anybody that has anything approaching Jim Harbaugh's resume. What do you say to that trend line? I'm going to speak to the first blurb first concerning the roster. Jim Harbaugh has made a living and, and arrived at this job and has paid a top five salary based on what he's been able to do in overhauling, not the roster, but but jumping right into a San Diego Stanford, San Francisco 49ers situation and immediately yeah. somehow taking the same talent and winning games. And it's been remarkable. You would think, how in the world does the guy that is able to do that, able to mastermind and, and somehow harness the same roster, the same personnel, and suddenly turn it into a winning formula, not be able to to take whatever magic there is in that and then actually get his players and then be able to build upon that and extend the winning and then truly reach his goals and objectives. The only answer that I have for why we haven't seen it in the past is that he hasn't stuck around long enough for us to see it play out at Stanford or San Francisco. Uh, So we didn't necessarily get it to see it get this stale, although the 8-8 eight and eight at San Francisco in the final season maybe gave us some indication. Um, that second point about the measurement in the 2016 game in Columbus uh, may turn out to be, and, and sports arguments are made of what-ifs, mm-hmm. uh, but this may be the one that really resonates with me uh, in college football because if you watched those two teams play, didn't keep score, just watched the game, Michigan was a better team. Michigan was just the better team that played the better game against Ohio State. And I will even bring up the 2018 game, and people will think I'm crazy 
But I don't know what kind of magic is in the Urban Meyer recipe that's been handed down to Brian Day concerning taking on a team in Michigan. And I thought that they had those two teams had played enough common opponents that year to make a reasonable observation and assessment of the two teams. Michigan outplayed everybody that they played as a common opponent versus Ohio State. Ohio State was scuffling and struggling and giving up 51 points to Maryland, barely getting by Nebraska while Michigan's out there clubbing Nebraska 52 to 10. And everyone, I remember doing posting a video where I went through all the yards per play numbers and everything involved Mm -hmm. in those five common opponent matchups. And there's no way in hell it should have been 62-39 when those two teams hit the same field. It's it's baffling. It, it, and well, there's a reason that that's the first time Michigan had been favored in Columbus in what twenty years, two thousand, which is the last time they won a game uh, in Columbus. In fact, so to me, I, I think there's two systemic problems here. One is recruiting, but I I don't mean it in the way Ari Wasserman at the Athletic does, and he's been on our show, and I've I've heard what he has to say. First of all, as I've as I've pointed out. Going back to Bo versus Woody, Ohio State has always recruited better than Michigan. Always. Number one, in those years, in the 70s and 80s, it's because Ohio was one of the top four states in the country for high school talent. Um, And now it's just because they can recruit at a level of elite prospects we can't because we don't have the performance to recruit at that level. But, but But Ohio State has always out recruited Michigan. Michigan put one less guy in the NFL last year. Granted, Ohio State's guys were drafted earlier, but when one team has 11 guys in the NFL and the other team has 10, I don't care what round they're drafted in, that's not a 40-point difference between those two teams on the field. It's just not. Just It just isn't. The recruiting issue is that 2017 class. And you go look, and that was a top-five class. There's almost nobody on that recruiting class starting for this team right now. Like, Quiddy Pay is one of the only ones. That class, almost a complete and total wipeout with injuries, transfers, washouts. And and that tells you that you were maybe just kind of recruiting off of recruiting rankings with your buzz. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of buzz about Jim. All those guys on that 2016 team, 19 guys off that 2016 team have made an, at least an NFL practice squad. And I think they that they they just parlayed that into just kind of stargazing as opposed to actually, hey, do these guys fit into the culture of what we're doing here? And then the other is the word I just used, culture. What is the culture of the Michigan program? What is its identity? We don't have one. We have a brand. The brand is powerful, okay? But it's but it, there's not a culture there. There's not an identity there. I think the thing that Michigan fans don't understand about Ohio State is it's not just all the five stars they sign, but players are not formulas. They're people. They have to be developed. Those guys did get developed there. And then look at this last offseason. You know, we had guys and everything opt out right away. The minute the, the minute there wasn't going to be a season, I, I'm gone. I'm out. Not coming back. Ohio State finally had two guys opt out right before they went ahead and put the season on uh, back on and then they opted right back in is that is that you know there's this perception among Michigan fans urban meyer renegade coach cheats in recruiting blah 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 and they just roll the helmets out there and that's how they got all these guys and they don't coach them at all 
they actually have a college football culture there. The, the, the guys play for not just the fans. They, there's an expectation, a legacy of what it means to wear that helmet with the Buckeye leaves on it. We used to have that. And we thought we brought in a guy that was going to restore that. But whether it's coaches or players, we have more people leave than a lot of other programs at our level do. It just seems like a lot of guys can't wait to get out. A lot of guys can't wait to go pro. Um, We just have guys play for themselves and each other and not really for Michigan. And I can't believe that that is what's occurred here under Harbaugh. And all I can really go with, Mark, is I think he's just lost the fire in the belly, man. I do. I think he's lost the fire in the belly. I think that he got he's on a second marriage with a new family, young kids. And I think he's at an age where I don't want to be that son of a you know what that I was when I was younger. I want to be nicer. I want to be more liked. Um that it that we didn't get we didn't get the what's your deal, Jimmy. Or if we did, he died that day in Columbus, Ohio, and has just never really come back. And and I just don't think and you can see it on the sidelines watching the team. There just isn't a lot of fire. There's not a lot of juice there, Matt. There's not There's not much happening there. That's not something I read into, and I saw Ronnie Bell make a couple of receptions, and, he, and it looked like... And he's trying. Ronnie's trying, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was trying to, to get some kind of spirit galvanizing through that team and trying to to say, I'm making plays, guys. Let's, let's pull this out. Let's get together here. Uh, but everything that you just outlined that goes on in Columbus that you thought you were getting in Jim Harbaugh, we had every indication through 2015 and 16 is that's what it was. And even if you believe that they were ripped off that game, you would think that that would have been more of a motivator motivation yeah. Yeah. To, to be the catalyst going forward. See, if it, see, I wonder if it wasn't that game. We go back to that because Michigan fans were obsessed with that game, frankly. But I actually wonder if it was the 2018 game against Ohio State that did it. I mean, the next year, 2017, he got caught in an awkward recruiting year because that's the in-between year, right? That's the year where you're, you're making the full transition from the old coach to you got, to your, your recruits. And that roster was just too young. And then Wilton Spate got hurt, and so he didn't have a quarterback. But that next year team was loaded. And you've got Shea Patterson coming in, and he was tremendous that year. And I wonder if that game in Columbus, it's not the 2016 game that broke the Jim Harbaugh era, but the 2018 uh, Ohio State game did. And they've just not really been the same. He's not been the same since then. That that maybe, you know what, man, this just, maybe it's just not happening here. You know? Look at any great duel, any great rivalry in sports, and I'm thinking more from the side of individual yeah. sports like Borg and Connors or Ali and Frazier, where one, they're both great, but whether it's just a talent deficit or a matchup deficit that makes it difficult on the number two guy, there just gets to be a point of, of frustration where what do we have to do? Mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to figure this out. And maybe that's what that 2018, maybe the 2016 game was, yeah, I'm pissed off. This is frustrating. We had it. We were there. But okay, look at what we've done in two years. Let's keep going. And then they they have the rough 2017. But as you mentioned, 2018, they were the better team than Ohio State, had the better 11-game performance. 
And then all of a sudden, what what happened here? Is this never going to happen? Mark, great stuff as always. We're off next week. Man, I got to go to Disney World and get away from this for a week. But we'll talk to you down the line, brother. All right, take care. All right, Steve, appreciate it. Thank you. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2,061 odds plus 2,061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comments section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball, and baseball. We absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in Major League Baseball, and we gave out those picks each and every day. So if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast, go there now and you can support what we do here at Michigan Podcast. And then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there, the hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you. Join their ranks and make a little money on the side, maybe. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. This week's Twitter poll, we asked you, will Michigan win another game this season? 63% of you said yes, 63.7. 36.3% of you voted no with me. I I don't think the odds are good, actually. I mean, Rutgers is favored this week in a Big Ten game for the first time since 2017. So, I don't know. You know, like you're watching the bottom fall out at Penn State. That's a team that was in the top 10. They... Fell to 0-2, all their title dreams and everything are gone. And you saw them just not even show up against Maryland. I don't know what Michigan does Saturday night against Wisconsin if that game gets played. I, I mean, I just everything that they talked about, that's the other thing too. Michigan was like the only program in our league that never had to shut down, never sent the players home. Even after the season was canceled, they were practicing every day. And all we heard about was this culture and the seven captains, which apparently is six and a half too many. And and that's your and and you. So what did you do all these all these months? You come out with those performances the last two weeks, and now every goal that you had at the start of the year is off the table, gone, shot. You know you're not beating Ohio State. You'll be lucky if they don't put a seventy burger on us. So I, I'm. I wonder at Michigan, does the bottom fall out there like it did at Penn State? How much? How many more antigen tests? How many more swabs of the nose these guys want to take? How many more hangouts with the girlfriend and the fellas do these guys want to bypass? The fun part of college. To do what? Not go to a bowl game? I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned about a cratering here. 
Let's get to this week's question of the week from numerous people. Who are some specific names you'd like to see replace Harbaugh? I have a policy on that right now. I've got a lot of contacts around the country. And I'm not going to throw out any names of anybody that is currently having a season. It's just not fair to them, their teams, etc. Especially because we don't officially have a coaching vacancy yet. If you want to ask me about a name of someone who doesn't currently have a job, I'm happy to talk about that. For example, I, I do think, and I think he wants to coach again. I'm not sure it, it he wants it to be at Michigan. But I do think if 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 there's an amicable divorce here in a month between Michigan and or a month and a half between Michigan and Harbaugh, one of the first calls they should make is to Bob Stoops. Hall of Fame coach, better resume than Jim Harbaugh, and no buyout because he's been unemployed, retired for the last few years. So there's a lot of rumblings he wants to return, but maybe it's at his alma mater, the University of Iowa. So maybe he's got his eyes set on that gig. I don't know. But that's a guy who right now doesn't have a job. Michigan ought to call. They ought to call Chris Peterson too, the former Washington coach, another Hall of Fame coach with a better resume than Harbaugh. Now he's not Mr. Dynamic grinding on the recruiting trail. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for right now. But those are a couple of names of guys that don't currently have jobs that Michigan absolutely ought to call. But if you want me to talk about guys that are currently coaching teams or coordinating teams, I, I just think I don't want to get involved in just idly speculating and tossing their names out there when that could get in the middle of the seasons they're currently having. And there will be plenty of time for that later, unfortunately, unless there's some kind of miracle turnaround of this program uh, in the in the next month. Don't forget, I'm gone again next week to take the family to Disney World, but I'll try to record an exclusive podcast for our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Uh, also, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, share, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, YouTube, however you access us, uh, make sure that positive feedback keeps coming. And you share this with everybody you know so we can keep growing Michigan Podcast. Um, everybody have a great week. Just remember, it's always darkest before it goes pitch black. I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.